You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 22nd, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. On today's podcast, we'll discuss the Orlando Magic bringing back Emil Jefferson, a move that I, I, I'll i explain why I think is a little bit surprising for both sides, honestly. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, what's where we're at with the Orlando Magic and, and kind of the early predictions that we're seeing, um, which I know I've discussed in the past, but really kind of what the, the main storyline is as far as, as what the Magic hope to accomplish, I think. Uh, this offseason, and, and, and honestly, an honest discussion about whether they actually have accomplished that. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find here. Um, want to get the lowdown on, uh, you know, whatever team, the Warriors, the Raptors, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Nuggets, whoever. You can find a Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Plus, it's still baseball season. Football season's around the corner too. MLB, NFL, and college teams are covered too on the Locked On Podcast Hour. Just search on iTunes again for Locked On and the team you are looking for, and you will find a podcast for you. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The Orlando Magic's roster at this point is pretty much complete. Uh, you know, if you if you look at the roster, there's there's really one open roster spot, and then of course the the two way contracts that the Magic had to offer. They they've already reportedly given out one of those two way contracts to Josh Majette, uh, which I, I believe we talked about him late last week. If we didn't, twenty nine year old point guard, he's he's kind of been around the the G League a little bit, played really well for the Erie BayHawks a few years ago. Was was a really top assist getter uh, in the G League has been through the Summer League ringer, played a little bit in Spain last year. Um, it, it is a solid guard, not not anything anyone that's going to stand out. You know, I, I've watched enough Summer League to know who he is. I would, you know, jokingly call him a Summer League Hall of Famer. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's a guy that's necessarily going to make a huge impact. I think he's there to make Lakeland better and is sort of a, a break... Uh, a break glass in case of emergency point guard for the Orlando Magic. Um, he's certainly a very solid player, um, but not anyone to write home about. It is. It was widely expected from the Magic, at least, that they would sign Daquan Jeffries to one of their two-way contracts, a guy uh, off their summer league team who played exceptionally well, um, someone that we've certainly advocated uh, the Magic should give an opportunity to because he displayed a lot of uh, growth and grit defensively, was a solid three-point shooter throughout the week and really seemed to fit into a role with the Orlando Magic Summer League team. Magic have yet to sign Jeffries. Orlando does still have two open roster spots, too. One, we assume, will go to Chuma Okiki. Okiki is still the only first-round pick that has not signed a contract yet. It's not clear what the holdup is. I've hypothesized uh, somewhat that the Magic might be open to... Uh, open to sending him to the the G League for the year and leaving him unsigned um, so that the cap hold would still be on their books, but he would not count against the luxury tax, which saves them a little bit of money, gives them a little bit more wiggle room, but it's essentially a cap machination. And since he tore his ACL and, um, and, and you know, who knows, maybe that's something the Magic planned when they drafted him or maybe that's just a, a lucky thing. 
I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, I don't know what the holdup is as far as getting a contract signed and, and getting him ready for camp. Um, he was with the team in summer league, so you know maybe they he, they signed him and they didn't announce it. But but who really knows? That leaves one open roster spot and one two two way contract that we've not discussed. And so Friday came the news that the Magic were going to spend their two-way contract spot on Emil Jefferson. If you listen to our podcast throughout Summer League, I could not be more excited or or more um, open in my like of Emil Jefferson. Um, Outside of Mo Bamba's 15-minute stretch, I thought Emil Jefferson was by far the best player on the Summer League roster. By far a player who has shown that he is graduated past the need for Summer League. And honestly, graduated past the need to be in the G League, in my opinion. He has been consistently a double-double machine in the G League and one of the best players in the G League. One of the very best players in the G League. And it's not particularly close. I pretty much assumed, so my fault for assuming, but I pretty much assumed that the Magic and Emil Jefferson were probably done. Although Jefferson's been working with Orlando for a long time, there simply isn't a path for him to play. There simply isn't the the space to get him minutes on this team. Where's he going to play? Really think about that. Where is he going to play with Nikola Vucevic, Mobamba, Ken Birch? It's hard to find him minutes or path to minutes. And while he is only 6'9", his lack of jumper makes it hard to, to fit him even as a power forward, which technically the Magic could throw him in as, as kind of a big power forward. But even then, I don't necessarily mind Ken Birch doing that either. He does a lot of the same things that, that Emil Jefferson would offensively for sure. So, with all that under consideration, I was genuinely shocked the Magic brought Emil Jefferson back on what is reported to be a two-way contract. Because like I said, Jefferson is clearly better than the G League. He's clearly graduated past that point, and I think he is ready and able and capable to take on an NBA role. Steve Clifford showered all kinds of praise on Emil Jefferson whenever he was asked about him last year. He really likes him too. Coaches love this guy. He is a grinder. He works hard. He knows how to play his role. And he does so many things well. And so many things the right way, the way coaches want them done. But that's not always enough to to cut it in the NBA, especially on a team like the Magic that has so many talented guys in front of him. And so I'm confused that the Magic did this because they already spent one of their two-way contracts on on a veteran guard that that could contribute something to the team, you know, and again, a kind of break glass in case of emergency type way. If there's an injury to that group, we don't know what Markel Fultz is. So having a point guard there definitely makes sense. And I think Josh Majette is a, a solid option for the team and what they're looking for from the point guard position. But here I would have liked to see the Magic try and use a two-way contract as a development tool. Now, I don't think it's any secret that around the league, no one really knows how to use these two-way contracts quite yet. I think a lot of the kind of the lottery teams 
are using it as an extra roster spot, an extra extra guy that they can bring up at the end of the year, specifically uh, when you know they they're, they're beginning to rest their veteran players. But I think ultimately, what you want to see from a two way contract is a guy that you're not quite ready to to give that full commitment to, to get him in your system, to get him kind of in your program, in your organization, develop him, and have him graduate up to the main roster. The Magic haven't quite done that with their two-way contracts, whether it was uh, Jamel Artis or um, Adrian Payne, who obviously left the team on different circumstances, um, or Troy Copain, who I, I thought played really well with the Wizards, but it was clear the Magic had moved on from him. And now Emile Jefferson. To me, I just don't understand why Emile Jefferson did this. And I think specifically on Emile's side, I'm struggling to grasp why he agreed to this deal. Because Jefferson clearly can play at the NBA level. Jefferson clearly is better than the G League. And and this is clearly not a step forward in his career. Two-way contracts do not make a ton of money. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to judge judge a guy for, for, for this, but, uh, you know, there, there might be some aversion to going to Europe. Some guys just, they want to be, they don't, they don't want to travel, they don't want to leave the United States, which is perfectly reasonable. Um, some guys... You know, they use the G League to kind of stay in on the radar. You go to Europe, you're gone. You're out of sight. You're not kind of in the NBA's orbit. That doesn't mean you can't get back into it, but you're kind of out over there. You're not close by in case someone needs you. Now, signing a two-way contract kind of binds them to the magic a little bit more. But, again, Emil Jefferson would kill it in Europe. He'd get a ton of playing time. He'd put up numbers. He'd be really good. That I am certain of. He's got a great post game. He's solid defensively. Um, he's he's got a lot of things going for him. But again, he's never going to show it at the NBA level with the way things are set up right now. He's never going to show it on this Magic roster. So maybe the well had dried up. Maybe there were no other offers from NBA teams, and he wants to stay in the NBA orbit. I'm not going to judge that decision from from Jefferson, but I do think that this is a move that doesn't make a ton of sense for either the Magic, who have a ton of bench depth at the center position, or for Emile Jefferson and his career. But like I said, I like Emile Jefferson's game. He is a guy that is valuable in practice. He's a guy that's been valuable to the Lakeland Magic. He's their best player. And that's a team that appears to be trying to win again. Uh, I, I think the Magic put that roster together with the intent of winning, not just not just the idea of bringing guys up to the main roster, which the Magic certainly did at Summer League. I think it was six Lakeland Magic players played for the Orlando Magic Summer League team. So they got good looks. They got looks at, you know, at, at what the Magic do. I think the Magic want to, to win at that level too. And last year, of course, they made the Eastern Conference Finals, finished second in the East. And Jefferson's going to help them do that again. Because again, he is one of the best players in the G League. But you don't want to be, you don't want to stay in the G League. You want to take steps forward and move up in your career. And that's the part that confuses me on Emile Jefferson's side and why I don't think this is the right move for him.
As things stand, though, the Magic have used both their two-way contract spots. The Magic still have two open roster spots, plus anyone they want to add on Exhibit 10s or, or training camp invites. Um, you can have up to 20 players at your training camp. Magic now at 15, I believe. 15 players on their roster, including two ways. They have two open roster spots. One is expected to go to Chuma Okiki, but that hasn't happened yet either. And I would suspect the other one will go to Daquan Jeffries, but we don't know, and we'll wait to see what the Magic do with those spots. Moving on then to bigger picture items. Um, uh, Guys that are actually going to play and actually going to, to make an impact for this Magic team. The Orlando Magic didn't really change a lot on their roster this year. The only players that went out were Jarrell Martin and Jaron Grant, who I think most, and Timothy Mozgov, who I think most Magic fans would say, yeah, let them leave. That's okay. The only new player added to the fold was Alpha Rukuminu, a starter caliber player who can play a really solid bench role, give the Magic the same versatility they have with their starting lineup at the forward position that they do off the bench. And it is a signing that I think, although the shooting is definitely a concern, Aminu is a high-level bench player. The Magic have a lot more depth now than they did last year. And they have kind of a sneaky addition that, that no one's perhaps really talking about in Markel Fultz. We don't really know what he can be. But let's suffice to say that, that it does feel like the Magic have added some depth. They bring back Terrence Ross. They bring back Nikola Vucevic. They've still got Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and Evan Fournier and DJ Augustine. They've got the same crew as last year. And I always kind of go back to this one thing or, or, or this group of things that Steve Clifford said throughout the season and, and, and I kind of noted throughout the year two on this podcast. Steve Clifford would always tell the media that, you know, if we play a certain way, if we do the things that we know we have to do, we can beat anybody. And that was certainly true. Orlando beat the Warriors. Gave them a game in the Golden State, in Oakland too. They beat the Bucks. They beat the Raptors twice. They blew out the Raptors once with Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. They beat the Spurs on the road. They beat a lot of really good teams last year. You don't go 22-9 and to end the year without beating some good teams on the process. They made the playoffs because they the light clicked on and they figured out exactly how they had to play and they played that way for the last month and a half, two months of the season. But it was certainly worth noting who they lost to. In that same 22-9 stretch, Orlando lost to New York. They lost to Cleveland. They lost to Chicago. Suffice to say that last year's Magic team showed that they could beat anybody and they could lose to anybody. And now that same team is back together. And so we have to ask the question, what kind of team is this Orlando Magic? Who are these guys? 
What are they going to be able to accomplish? Are they going to be able to grow? And I would add, ask, answer the question this way. And I, and I think this is how I would frame a lot of the question about whether what the Magic did this season is ultimately successful. Because results are going to matter here. Let's not beat around the bush. The goal for the Orlando Magic is to make the playoffs. Missing the playoffs is a failure this season. You know, injuries maybe notwithstanding, but the idea for the Orlando Magic this year is to make the playoffs and nothing else matters. There's no other measure of success. I know I often said last year, my measure of success is did the Magic regain respectability? Are they moving in the right direction? Obviously, making the playoffs was was beyond my wildest dreams and, and, and my, even my most optimistic predictions last year. They accomplished that goal. Last year's season was a success no matter how you slice it. This year, this year, success is only measured in playoff appearances. In a playoff appearance. We can get into taking a next step or, or winning a game or winning a series another day, but baseline pass-fail of the season is making the playoffs. I think this team can, can claim a successful season if they get back to the playoffs, and, and we'll have that debate on another podcast another day. But I often said about this Magic team last year, was you watch them play, and you watch how they had to win games, and what they had to do right in order to win games, and you could sense that it was always teetering on the edge that they could just as easily fall off the cliff as they could climb the mountain. The issue with the Orlando Magic in 2019, the big issue, was that their margin for error was very small. If Nikola Vucevic did not have a good game, the Magic were more likely than not going to lose. And Vucevic had maybe two or three objectively bad games the entire season. He had a really, really good season. But as we saw in the playoffs, you kind of take him out of the game and this Magic team really struggled to create anything offensively and that killed a lot of their defense, especially a team that is so efficient in transition like the Raptors. Terrence Ross, the way he played and the way he scored correlated to the bench's success. And so while there were a lot of games where he won the game and changed the momentum by making a lot of shots. And even if he wasn't shooting efficiently, he made shots at big moments and made a spurt of shots at big moments that kept the magic in it. But if he didn't make those shots, if he you know had a struggle, a struggle game, like he did against New York late in the season, the magic could flounder. They could really struggle. And of course, the magic ultimately finished with the eighth best defense in the league, but if that defense slipped in any way or didn't play at a particularly high level in that game, the Magic were more likely than not going to lose. This is the truth of it. This is who this Magic team was last year. A team that did have a very specific way of playing a very specific list of things they had to accomplish, they had to do if they wanted to win. 
And when they figured that out, when they figured out how to do those things, more often than not, they won. But as I said, the biggest thing the Magic had to figure out now, the next step for the Magic, it's not necessarily winning more games because this is, this is how you win more games. It's lowering the margin for error. It's finding different ways to win games. Holding to those to those tenets, holding to those things that make you who you are. But if a pillar is wobbling in a particular game or in a particular moment, you find other ways to support it, to lift it back up until you can get back to it. The Magic are going to have to learn to win games when Nikola Vucevic is perhaps struggling. Or when Nikola Vucevic is out. Vucevic played 80 games last year. Missed only one game to injury, and it really wasn't a serious injury. Missed the game to paternity leave in December, and then missed the last game of the season. Just as with the Magic just kind of letting him rest. And the Magic actually won that game against Charlotte, so they, they, they figured it out. But reducing the margin for error is just as much about development and, ta- and growing talent as anything else. For Orlando to succeed next year, they have to lower this margin for error. They need Aaron Gordon to continue being efficient and playing efficiently while taking on a little bit more responsibility in the offense. They need Jonathan Isaac to become a more consistent three-point shooter. They need Al Farouk Aminu to be a stalwart off the bench. Someone the team can rely on wholly to step in when needed so that, say, if Aaron Gordon gets into foul trouble, they have someone they can rely on and then other players pick up the slack. They need to be able to win games where Aaron Gordon's scoring 40 points and Nikola Vucevic is at 12. Or Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon picking up the slack when Vuce struggles. They know they're going to get consistent play from Augustine. But again... What happens if Augustine's struggling? What happens if he's turning the ball over or getting bottled up like he did in the playoffs? That margin for error that we saw slimmed down to nothing when the Raptors put the screws on the Magic. They couldn't adjust and adapt. And that's what we're talking about here. Is they take away the first option, where do you go to? And the Magic really struggled with that in the playoffs. They figured it out in the regular season. And really, they didn't have to change much. But in the playoffs, they got beat and exposed a little bit. And guess what? This is the same roster. Now, it's very possible that the Magic can make this growth. Aaron Gordon should take another step. And I think Gordon figured some things out in Game 4 that will enable him to take that next step. Isaac should get better just from growth and development and experience alone. But if you believe Steve Clifford and what he said during Summer League, he's been really impressed with the work Isaac's put in already. Aminu adds some depth that this team didn't have last year at, the, at that forward position. Markel Fultz, the great mystery, could very well eliminate a lot of this margin for error. If he comes back and is anything resembling the top overall pick, that's another weapon the Magic have at their disposal. 
a lot of this can come together. I mean, you look at Michael Carter-Williams. He helped lower that margin for error last year with his suffocating defense and the pace that he played at, the pressure that he put on opponents where they were reacting to the magic. The Magic are still figuring out exactly how to lower this margin for error. How to still win a game, even if they're not playing their best. I think the general assumption and the general predictions, though, are that Orlando is going to have to play really well. That there will be ups and downs. That they will be a team hovering around 500 and Teams hovering around 500 are probably more known for their inconsistency than their consistency. That one game they're really good, one game they're really bad. Again, another point that I made out that that I made throughout the year last year, that this is being 500, is kind of the uncertainty of how your team's going to play. To be sure, then that a big part of what the Magic are trying to do next year is to win those games when they don't play well. Is to find a way to, to, to still play well when their stars are not. And that's lowering the margin for error. We don't know. I honestly can't sit here and tell you whether the Magic have accomplished that. Because past performance is not a great predictor of future a future success or future achievement. I think guys will get better. I think some guys will step back a little bit, will fall to their means. And I don't know what that ultimately means for this Magic team. I do think that they are certainly a contender to make the playoffs. If their goal is to make the playoffs, they have a team that can do it. They've proven that already. Is this a team that can take the next step up, be a six seed, maybe a five seed? I can see it, depending on internal development. This is a team that could take a step back, could struggle, drop back to, to low 30s and wins. I can see that too. It's all because we just don't know if the Magic have truly gotten better. But we'll all find out here in a couple of months. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And of course, follow us on Twitter as well at Daily For the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.